0: Our series is Living Large, and the tagline is three secrets that blessed people know. I want to be blessed. I want to live under the umbrella of God's favor. But the thing is, most people don't really understand what it means to be blessed. Uh, our, Our world tends to go after success. Now, success, if it's a means to an end, that's one thing. But for me, I want to be blessed because when God blesses you, you'll get things that money can't buy. So what I want to do in this series is unpack three of the main secrets that I knew about that lead to blessing. In week one, Pastor Dan stood on stage and he preached a message that said, God owns it everything. God owns it all. He owns everything. And that's true. Last weekend, I carried you to the text where Jesus was about to ride into the city of Jerusalem on the triumphal entry. And we learned those three principles of giving. And by the way, so many of you have shared your stories in the last seven days They've been amazing. Maybe I'll be able to unpack some of those stories for the entire church in the next few. But so many of you have just said, I'm going to untie this. And it's been radical what you've done. And I'm excited about that. The Lord needs it untie it. He'll bring it back. But today is the big one. If you want to be blessed, this one will ride you right up to the vaults of heaven. The odd thing is, you may not think when you hear it that it's all that big of a thing. But remember, it's not how big it is to us. It's how big it is to the blesser. I'm gonna to talk to you guys in the room for just a moment, because I think we have a challenge here. How many of you guys bought a gift for your wife and you found out later on it was not the right thing to buy? Because <laughs> it was big to you, and you thought it would be big to her, but it turned out not to be big to her. You wanted a gum bag. So surely she's going to want a gun bag for that over and under that she doesn't even have. Or you thought, you know, everybody needs a vacuum cleaner. And, and, and you were just so excited. You couldn't wait for her to open it up. And the eyes that you saw when you opened it up didn't say, I'm blessed. But now let's flip this for a moment. I want to talk to you guys again. How many of you guys found out that something you didn't think was big at all was very big to her? You know, you're like, well, what's that? And it's like, this is very special to her, and she keeps it. I remember many, many years ago, I still had a tube in front of my age. I, I just was nervous energy, and I, I walked into the kitchen and, and loaded the dishwasher. And, and Mary Alice came to me, wiping her eyes with the dish towel, and she said, You will never know how big that was to me. Well, that's the thing. That's what I'm getting at here today. Because a lot of times, if you grew up in religion like I did, we think that certain things are big to God that might not be as big as we think they are. On the other hand, we can think there are things that don't matter that much that to God are very precious. So this third secret, it's not going to sound that big to you, but it's very, very big to God. It's perfect timing because this week is the day that we celebrate as Thanksgiving Day in America. And it isn't Turkey Day and it's not football day. It's Thanksgiving Day. The idea of Thanksgiving Day as we know it started in 1621 in the Plymouth Colony. Now I know that there are some people in Florida that say no it started 100 years earlier in Florida. And Florida always likes to be early on stuff but I can't can't quite go there historically. I think it started in 1621 in the Plymouth Colony because you see the colonists had had a very brutal winter that killed half of them. And for those who were surviving at the time of harvest they determined it was time to have a, a Thanksgiving feast. And some things don't change in America. You know how we are about guns. History says that the Plymouth settlers fired celebratory gunshots at (laughs) at that Thanksgiving feast. And some of the Native Americans hearing the gunshots thought it meant war. That's according to the records of the Wampanoag tribe. But when they arrived and saw that it was a celebration and it wasn't a war, they were invited to join. And so they went back to their places of living, or their abodes, and they brought food from their own houses, and they brought them together, and so both the the Native Americans and the New Americans had a celebration feast. And it's not my sermon today, but maybe the hostility between different groups in America might melt into community if people weren't so selfish and ungrateful. Well, that's how the idea started. And in 1777, the Continental Congress of the United States proclaimed a day of thanksgiving. And I'd like to just share some of the language with you because for those of us who have been groomed to believe that God was never a part of American official life, you might want to hear the language of this. That proclamation in 17, uh, 1670, uh, 1777 said it is therefore recommended to the legislative or executive powers of these United States to set apart Thursday. The 18th day of December next for the solemn thanksgiving and praise that at one time and with one voice, the good people may express, and I'm counting here, number one, grateful feelings of their heart and number two, consecrate themselves to the service of their divine benefactor and that together with their sincere acknowledgements and offerings, they may join. Number three, the penitent confession of their manifold sins whereby they had forfeited every favor and the humble and earnest supplication that it may please God through the merits of Jesus Christ mercifully to forgive and blot them out of remembrance. How about that? I mean, they just said it in just a day of thanksgiving. It's a day to commit ourselves to serve the Lord. And number three, it's a day for us to ask God forgiveness of our sins that have stopped us from receiving his favor. Well, 11 years later in 1789, George Washington added to it this. He said, now therefore I do recommend and assign Thursday the 26th day of November to be devoted by the people of these states to the service of that great and glorious being who is the beneficent author of all the good that was, that is, or that will be. That we may then all unite in rendering unto him our sincere and humble thanks. It was in 1863, in perhaps the darkest year of the Civil War it was the same time of the Emancipation Proclamation that Lincoln said this, no human counsel hath devised nor hath any mortal hand worked out these great things. These are the gracious gifts of the highest God who while dealing with us in anger, Lincoln saw the Civil War as punishment by God for slavery. And and if you don't believe that, you might just check out what I think is the greatest American speech in history, which is the second Lincoln's second inaugural. If you ever go into the Lincoln Monument, you'll see that the Gettysburg Address on one side of the wall, one wall, and then on the opposite wall you'll see Lincoln's second inaugural. There was more scripture in that than there will be scripture in some preachers' sermons today. But Lincoln said, "While dealing with us in anger for our sins, hath nevertheless remembered mercy." And our leaders today, and this isn't political, it's just fact, our leaders today seem hell-bent. And I chose that word very carefully and very literally. Our leaders today seem hell-bent on removing God, but I want you to know it was different once. Leaders in the past understood this secret to living large. They understood that prosperity didn't come by accident, it came from the hand of God. It's like the old saying goes, if you see a turtle sitting on a fence post, he didn't get up there by himself. So the blessings that you and I have, and we, have, we are the richest people in the world. You say, Mark, I, I'm not the richest person. I'm not rich. We Americans don't know what rich is. I mean, Solomon was the richest man that ever lived, but he never had a hot fudge Sunday. I mean, he never had a car to drive. I mean, he never had a heated house or an air-conditioned house. We're the most blessed people in the history of the world. And so today, I want to bring secret three of being blessed, and it's just the simple title be thankful. If you want to be blessed today, be thankful. Now, it could be you're disappointed with that being one of the secrets because it sounds too passive to you. Guys, don't be fooled. Gratitude has the power to make you. Entitlement, which is the enemy of gratitude, will destroy you. This is the reason why America is in the sad shape that it's been in. And my heart goes out to all of you who are under 30 because you have been groomed by this culture to assume a spirit of entitlement. But it's in all of us. And, 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 and again, not only has it been groomed by the culture, it's been exacerbated by social media. And so a lot of Americans today feel a sense of entitlement. And because of that, they're just wrecking their hearts and lives. And as you'll see in just a moment, I think they're wrecking their psyches they're wrecking their emotional health. See, gratitude is powerful because it returns us to manufacturer settings. Do you ever have an electronic device? Other people have been on it. It just gets all whacked, And after a while, you just have to like start it up and return it to manufacturer settings. Well, that's what can happen to us. We can get all stretched out of shape by the stuff that happens in our world. And every once in a while, we just need a reset. We, we need to return to manufacturer's, our creator settings. And there's something about gratitude that is miraculous in the sense that it will return us to manufacturer settings. Now, somebody can say, well, Mark, I'm not really sure I believe all that much in God today. I'm just here because my girlfriend goes here, and so I just kind of came here today. I, I get it. I get it. But it's not just the Bible. Wall Street Journal did a 10-year study on the benefits of gratitude in adults. And here are the results of that study, at least in part. The journal determined that people, adults with gratitude, have more energy, optimism, more social connections, and are happier. They're less likely to be depressed, envious, greedy, or substance abusers. They sleep more soundly, exercise more regularly, and Lord knows we can use this one this time of the year. They have greater resistance to viral infections. Hey, that's not the Bible; It's a Wall Street Journal. I I read a book several years ago on positive psychology by Sean Acor. Sean Acor did a course at Harvard University, and he wanted to do... A course on positive psychology, and and normal most psychology deals with dysfunction. So, most of the analysis on psychology deals with people who present with some kind of emotional issue. Positive psychology does the opposite. It looks at people who are happy and asks the question, Why are they happy? And when he taught that course at Harvard, he thought, you know, they they told him it couldn't be for credit. He didn't know if anybody would show up. They never have been able to keep all the. They never have been able to. How's all the kids who want to take that course in positive psychology at Harvard? You read his book, you read his material, read anything on positive psychology, and you'll find out how big gratitude is. And neuroscience is confirming it. And I don't have the time or the intellectual bandwidth to go into this, but the short version is that gratitude causes the brain to produce serotonin and dopamine. And one expert went so far as to call it the natural antidepressant. You see, do you understand why we're so whacked as a culture? Because we've been groomed to be entitled. And it's messing our minds up. It's messing our emotions up. But you didn't come here to hear psychology, because I'm not capable of giving. You didn't come here to hear science or studies. You came here to hear the word of God. Because when God speaks, he speaks with authority that's beyond any authority that any human analysis can bring about. So the word of God says this in Psalm 100, verse 4, and we don't have the devotional this year. But for like the last 10 years or so, I've participated in the devotional and many of you bought that as Christmas gifts. And so if you sat out there in the lobby and waited in line for me to sign your devotional, chances are when you look at your devotional, you'll see that I signed my name and right below that I wrote Psalm 100 exclamation point. And the reason why I do that is I love Psalm 100 because it just ushers us into the presence of God. So today for this message, I want to take Psalm 100 verse four for our consideration today as we get ready for Thanksgiving and as we want to be blessed. The Bible says, enter into his gates with thanksgiving. Now, the gates there were the gates that uh, opened into the temple. Well, you you and I don't go to the temple today. Most of us are newspringers. We we come in those back doors. So what God is saying is, look, enter into my, when you come into worship, enter in with thanksgiving. Now, I don't know about you, but I think Austin and the team helped us a whole lot with our thanksgiving today. But guys, just keeping it real, it's not their responsibility to summon up Thanksgiving. from. We're supposed to come in with our motor running. Not come in with like, oh, I'm unhappy about this, and no, oh, I'm complaining about this, and, and this is bad. I mean, God says, enter into his gates with thanksgiving and a thank offering. So in other words, gratitude should be tangible. Now, the next line is the one that really forms this message. God says, be thankful and say so say so. And I'm going to go into a sensitive place right now. I don't want everybody to feel bad, but you know what? Every once in a while here at New Spring, we'll just have this extraordinary worship service. And I'll just see people that just stand there like a bump on a log. And I think, I mean, someone could say, well, I'm thankful on the inside. God didn't stop by saying, be thankful on the inside. He said, be thankful and say so. You know, Someone will say, well, Mark, that's just not me. Okay, I get that. Now, But here's the deal, sir, because a lot of times I think we guys are more along this line than others. If you can sit there and watch the Chiefs and you see, you see Patrick Mahomes run down the sideline, dodge everybody and fall into the end zone and you jump out of your chair and lose your popcorn yelling and screaming, don't tell me you can't stand up and worship the one who bought your soul with his blood. You see Kelsey make one of those great catches in the end zone, and you, but, but you come here and you're like, man, God is working, God is moving. <sighs> <laughs> now listen, I, I, I'm, I'm sympathetic. I get it. I get it. I get it. You just say, well, that's just not who I am. No, it's not. It's not who you are, because you see, you were born in sin. And your, your, your old man, we talked about that last summer. Your old nature is warped. So you're going to you're gonna have to push back against that. And here's the deal. This is one of the most important things I'll ever say to you when it comes to worship. Satan hates the name of Jesus being lifted up. He hates to be in a place in here. I mean, because the thing of it is, his enemy, God's enemies are loud. They're loud and proud. What happens is Satan wants to lock your mouth. He wants to shut your mouth. He doesn't want you to worship God. So I tell you what has to happen. And here's the thing. I think he wants to hear, I know he wants to hear ladies' voices lifted up, praising Jesus. And men, he wants to hear your strong voice lifting up Jesus. And I gotta tell you something else. If I had kids that I wanted to follow Jesus, it would be just as important for me to worship Jesus in their presence than it would be to cheer for the chiefs or the cowboys or anybody else when they win. I know somebody's going to say, Mark, I'm already mad at you. I know that. I, I, I get it. But hey, listen, I'm pleading for your soul. I'm pleading for your soul. I mean, you say, well, I'm just not comfortable with that. Well, then get comfortable with it. Get comfortable. I mean, if Jesus Christ has bought your soul with his blood, your name is written in heaven. When you die, you're going to heaven. God's favor is resting upon you. His blessings are resting upon you. The word of God says, enter into his gates with thanksgiving. Be thankful and say so. Bless. that means to speak well of, and affectionately praise his name. Man, did you feel affection for God rising up in you when Deb was singing this morning? I mean, when she started off talking about I was made to live for you, man, I stood here, I mean, I've done this in all the services this week, and I stood there, I mean, tears start forming in my eyes as I thank God the fact that you would make me to live for you. I mean, affection is rising up. The Word of God says, enter into his gates with thanksgiving. And, and say so, and bless his name, and let affection rise up in you. So, if you're not mad at me, and even if you are, I want to take the next few moments to give you the three most important things I know about gratitude. And here's the first one. Gratitude isn't connected to your circumstances. No matter what's going on in your life, there is so much to be thankful for. You say, Mark, I have so many problems. I'm sensitive, and I'm not dismissing that. I know that may well be true, but you still have a lot to be thankful for. You say, Mark, I don't see I have anything to be thankful for. Let me just tell you, you're going to draw in 23,000 of God's breaths today. You say, Mark, that's not that big to me. If you couldn't breathe, it would be. 23,000 times, you're going to open your mouth or nostrils, and you're going to breathe in God's air. You got that to be thankful for. Now, here's the deal. Like I've said several times already in this talk, we have been groomed to have a sense of entitlement. I have to choose and you have to choose. You got to decide, am I going to be thankful or am I going to be complaining? And guys, I got to keep it straight and honest with you. This complaining thing can hit me faster than I can see it coming. Last weekend, I was on my way to preach that message to you on Sunday. You know that thing about if the Lord needs it untied, the Lord will bring it back. I'm I'm getting ready to preach that on Sunday twice. I'm over here on K96 driving to church, and I'm in a bad, bad, bad mood. Just keeping it real. I I saw what was happening in our nation, what our leaders are doing, just the stuff that people accept today, and I just felt like, God, we are going down the tubes, and I just don't see anything good happening in America today. Well, I had my radio on my car, I was listening to XM radio, and I was on a religious channel I don't normally listen to. It's a little bit more traditional. And they were actually beginning to do a hymn. And I was about ready to turn it off and put on something with a little more action, you know. And um, But then I began to listen to a song. I just couldn't turn it off that I've, I don't think I've sung since I've been a kid. And the song went like this. "When upon last billows, you're tempest tossed. And you are discouraged, thinking all is lost. And I thought, Lord, that's me right now. Count your many blessings. Name them one by one, and it will surprise you what the Lord has done. I thought, I've sung that song since I was a little boy. I don't think I've ever paid attention to that before. And you know what happened? That song was true, because I began to count my blessings. You know what? It surprised me when I began to think about all the wonderful blessings that God has brought about in my life. You say, you say, Mark, you don't know what I'm going through. And that's true, but I know two things. I know, number one, you still have much to be thankful for. And number two, gratitude will help you deal with all that junk you're going through. Yeah. Stephen Paul told me this story several years ago, and it's one of my favorites. And the story goes like this in Nigeria in a, Nigeria in a city called Jos, and it's right on the dividing line between the Muslim North and Christian Sub-Saharan Africa. A Nigerian Baptist church was attacked by Boko Haram. And by the way, that's going on. We've, we've lost a lot of Christ followers to persecution, to murder in that part of the world just in the last couple of weeks. And the Muslim extremists came in and they burned down the church to the ground. They also burned the house of the pastor, Sunday Gomna. And the Sunday after that, the church gathered in a mud hut, wall, mud-walled hut community center. Pastor Gomez said, "We're here today to have a Thanksgiving service." And he said, "I'm thankful today for three things." He said, "First of all, I am thankful that our people didn't kill anybody." Number two, he said, "I'm grateful that they did not burn our church." And at that, some of the mouths of the congregation flew open because they thought, "Well, yeah, they burned our church." But he went on, "Inasmuch as no church member died, they did not burn our church. They just burned our building." And then the third one, every time I think about this story, it gets me right in the heart. He said, thirdly, I'm thankful that they burned my house. Because if they hadn't burned my house, how would I know how to minister to you? I gotta tell you, sometimes when I see what suffering believers say and do in persecuted parts of the world, I feel like a Christian wimp. Every one of us has something to be thankful for. The word of God says in 1 Thessalonians 5:18, give thanks no matter what happens. <coughs> God wants you to thank him because you believe in Jesus Christ. What does that mean? I mean, if God just said, give thanks and everything, put a period there, that'd be one thing. But God said, give thanks and everything because you believe in Jesus. Who is Jesus? He's the ultimate script flipper. He is the one who takes the circumstances that we're in today and turns them right side up. He is the one who can take any defeat and turn it into victory. So that's why you can give thanks to God in everything. And I'm talking to somebody here today, and you're going through the bleakest circumstance of your life, and you don't even see any way out of that. But I want to let you know today, if you're God's daughter, if you're God's son, and you love him, God is working in your situation. He can take the darkest moment of your life. He can take the darkest threads of adversity and weave them into a tapestry of grace. God says, be thankful in everything because you believe in Jesus Christ. That's number one. Here's the second thing I know about gratitude. By the way, would you like to be more attractive today? We Americans are into that, aren't we? I mean, when it comes to physically attractive, I've given up on that. But there's, there's science on this, isn't there? I mean, especially those of you who study business science, you know that there's science on the fact that if you're more attractive, you're gonna make more money. But have you ever noticed that there are a lot of people that are not physically attractive, but they have a charisma about them that just draw, they have a magnetism. And on the other hand, you know, people that are physically attractive that are pain. They're difficult. (laughs) Here's number two. Entitlement is ugly. It'll make you miserable. Gratitude is beautiful. It'll make you attractive. You're like, Mark, I don't know about that. Just, would you try it for a week? Just try it for a week. Just try being grateful for everything you can thank God for. And watch as people are drawn to you. I came to New Spring <clears throat> um, this next June, 38 years ago. And I remember at the old location when I was a 28-year-old preacher just coming into town. didn't know anybody. And Wichita was strange to me. I'd come from the Dallas-Fort Worth area and I'd been in Houston when I started pastoring. So I didn't know anybody. And and so it was, you know, I just, those memories that I have of meeting some of the people that I met in those first days is very strong. And I remember there was one guy who seemed to have it all. I mean, he had a, a, he'd come from a great family. Uh, He'd been greatly blessed by God. i have been, I was impressed by how much he was given in life. And I, I found myself thinking, man, this guy's got it all. But we'd only been here a week or so, and he and his wife invited Mary Alice and me, and Jonathan, who was about three at the time, and Jared, Stephen wasn't here for a long time, invited invited us out to his house, and it's a beautiful home. I mean, we drove, and Mary Alice and I, we lived in this parsonage that was, like it was built in 1650. You know, if the wind was blowing even inside, you could tell which direction it was blowing from. And we looked at his house, and we were like, wow! But to my utter amazement, when we sat down in his living room, he just, he began to complain about all kinds of things. I mean, he complained about his job. He complained about the breaks that he'd gotten in life. He complained to me about people in the church. He started telling me, well, this person is no good and that person is no good. And I mean, I thought to myself, after he got through listing all the people he didn't like, there weren't too many people left. (laughs) Wasn't that big of a church. And it was you know, over the years, he just kept complaining, complaining, complaining. And ultimately, he left. That was a long time ago. I ran into him about 10 years after he left, and he hadn't changed at all. He still complains and belly aches about everything. In all the years I knew him, I never can remember one time he ever thanked God for anything. And I, I always looked at that as so amazing. A guy with so much and a heart so empty. And can I tell the truth? I mean, there's nobody here but us and the television cameras. I would go out of my way to avoid him. If he was on one side, we had a round worship center in those days. If he was on one side, I went around the other side. Because you know what? Here's the thing I do know. If you're around a complaining, bitter person, they will mess you up. Right? I mean, it won't be long before they'll have you complaining and negative and fault finding. So I thought, I'm going to preach the word of God. I don't need that guy to speak all that darkness into me. When I came here 37 years ago, I also met a lady in our church named Dorothy Bryant. And Dorothy had multiple sclerosis and a whole lot of other problems. I mean, if you asked Dorothy how she was doing and she told you, she would have to keep you there an hour just listing all the things that were wrong with her. But she never said anything about that. She would never tell you what was wrong with her. her, her, her. I remember her MS caused her to walk unsteadily. And in those days, I used to stand by the front door of the church and watch everybody come in from the parking lot and greet them when they came in. And I would see Dorothy walk in Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night, regular as clockwork. And when she was walking in from her car, she struggled to get her balance because of the MS and she would kind of weave when she walked. Enough so that she could have been self-conscious about that. She could have complained, but instead she joked with me. Every time she walked in the door, it was the same joke every time. She would say, Pastor, those people on Hillside are going to think they're looking at a drunk lady going to church. (laughs) And I remember going to see her when she was dying with the disease that ravaged her body and would eventually claim her life. And I'd go into her house as a young preacher and I would sit in her living room and I'd say, Dorothy, how are you doing? That's a foolish question. She was dying. But she would always say with that sweet smile, and I quote, I could hear her voice in my ear right now all these years later. Pastor, I am so blessed. If God was any better to me, I don't know what I would do. Now, as God is my witness, I I would go out of my way, just like I went out of my way to avoid the first guy, I would go out of my way to find Dorothy in church. And I'd walk back there to her pew and even after she died i would catch myself walking back to her pew and looking for her before i remembered that she was gone i especially want to talk to you who are young because nobody's been groomed more to feel entitled than your generation but here's the deal you don't want to go downstream you want to go upstream i mean we're about to enter into a very difficult economy and here's the thing the young, the, the young leaders, the young employees who are going to make it are people that are going to go counterculture. These are going to be people that are going to have to be attractive. They're going to have to have magnetism. They're going to have, the, they're going to have to be like the Daniel. They're going to have to bring it. They're going to have to be a walking plus sign. And just hear my heart on this. From an old man's perspective in the word of God, entitlement is ugly. It'll make you miserable. Gratitude is beautiful. It will make you attractive. It will cause people to want to be around you. It will cause people to want to hire you. It will... It will cause people to want to promote you. Gratitude is powerful. Well, I got to close now. I'm out of time. Here's the third one and the big one. Real life changing gratitude starts at the foot of the cross. I love the story from the book of Luke. Jesus has been invited to dinner by one of the religious elite. And from what I can tell from this story, what really this elite guy wants to do is he wants to invite Jesus to dinner with the bold and beautiful people of Jerusalem, and then he wants to diss him. He wants to invite him there and ignore him, as as if to put him in his place. He, He is invited as though he is the guest of honor, and when he gets there, he's treated like a hanger on. Now, I'm sure in every generation, there are people who are celebrity conscious. Celebrity crazed, maybe. And, and, and this was kind of like the elite gathering for a dinner. And of course, they didn't have any kind of electronic media in those days. And so, so what would happen is there would be people who wanted to kind of look and peer into what was happening. And at the gate of this guy's estate, they would kind of collect and gather and look in and watch the beautiful people. In the crowd of people who is standing outside the gate is a woman And This woman had made her living in the past by selling her body, but she had heard Jesus and she'd heard the message of forgiveness and her life had been touched. And I don't know if she even knew why she did it, but for some reason she brought a a box of very expensive perfume that would be a gift for a king and no doubt she had earned the money to buy that gift from selling what was most precious to her. And as she stood there at the gate, she said to herself, I cannot do for Jesus what I would like to do. It is not proper for somebody like me to be close to somebody like him. But I will stand here and I will watch as the beautiful people do for him what I would like to do. And I will live vicariously through them. But as she watches the... Events of that evening, she is blown away because there is her Jesus in there. And they're not doing anything for him. It was the nature of the times that what they would do if a person was a guest of honor is they would take a little sachet, a very fragrant uh, perfume, and it would be in wax form and they would put it on that person's head and the body heat during the meal would melt and melt that sachet and it would make the whole room smell good somebody would wash his feet in the presence of everybody else and they would make him the guest of honor but she looks in there there's her jesus and they're not doing for him what she would like to do they're treating him like he's nobody they're treating him like he's not important and in a moment in a flash i don't know if she thought it through all that carefully i don't think she did it was just a it was just you know how that's how worship is it just comes up from within She just decides she's got to do something about this. This isn't right. This is not proper. And before before she even realizes what she's doing, she throws open those gates. She's uninvited, but that doesn't matter. She walks in there with that little box of perfume and she pours it out on the feet of Jesus. But then she begins to think about how he's changed her life and how she's not what she used to be and how she's not the person that earned the money for that perfume. And the tears begin to flow down her face and they splash onto the feet of Jesus. And now she's embarrassed. She didn't plan to do this. She doesn't have a towel. So the only thing she can do is take her hair down and begin to wipe the feet of Jesus to wipe her tears off his feet with her hair. It's at this point I want to pick up the text because there is this elite Pharisee sitting over there. He doesn't care about Jesus. He just came, he just invited him here to put him in his place. The Bible says in verse 39, when the Pharisee who had invited him saw this, he said to himself, if this man, talking about Jesus, were a prophet, he would know what kind of woman is touching him. She's a sinner. And oh, how I love the next line. Then Jesus answered his thoughts. Now, isn't that interesting? He said that this man knew who she was, I mean, it wasn't just that he knew who she was, he knew who Simon was. And by the way, notice where Simon's problems were. They were between his ears. Then Jesus answered his thoughts. Simon, he said to the Pharisee, I got something to say to you. Well, Simon doesn't know that Jesus can read his mind. So he's still very prim and proper. Go ahead, teacher, Simon said. The Lord told, Jesus told him this story. A man loaned money to two people, 500 pieces of silver to one, 50 pieces to the other, but neither of them could repay him. Oh my goodness, do we get that today? I mean, it's so easy to feel like we're better than somebody else because somebody else is living this lifestyle that we consider low. I mean, listen, the Bible says neither could repay him. I mean, you may not have done stuff that other people have done, but I promise you, you owed God an unpayable debt. You were born into this world a frail, broken sinner, and you've added your own rap sheet there to it. None of us can repay God. And Jesus said, there were two men that owned him money, one 500 pieces of silver, one fifty. neither could repay him. So he kindly forgave them both. Oh, love this, canceling their debts. Isn't it great to know that if you've come to Jesus by faith that your debt has been canceled? He canceled them. And he said, Simon, who do you suppose loved Jesus more? And Simon answered, I think grudgingly, "Uh, I suppose the one he canceled the larger debt. That's right, Jesus said. Then he turned to the woman and he said to Simon, look at this woman kneeling here. You catch what he's saying? He's saying, Simon, you haven't looked at this woman yet. All you did was glance at her and say, she's a sinner. Aren't you glad that Jesus looks into our lives and that he sees us, he knows what we hurt, he knows what breaks the heart, he knows what we're scared of? Simon, he said, look at this woman. When I entered your home, you didn't offer me water to wash the dust from my feet she's washed them with her tears and wiped them with her hair. You didn't greet me with a kiss, but from the time I first came in, she's not stopped kissing my feet. You neglected the courtesy of olive oil to anoint my head, but she's anointed my feet with rare perfume. I tell you, her sins, and they are many, have been forgiven. So she has shown me much love but a person who is forgiven shows forgiven little shows only little love and then jesus said to the woman your sins are forgiven you can never hear anything more beautiful you can never hear anything that will ever summon more gratitude out of your heart than to hear the words of jesus as he says to you your sins are forgiven they're washed away your debt is canceled I really believe true gratitude starts at the foot of the cross when you realize what Jesus has done for you. I don't want to be Simon. I don't want to come in here and just sort of like get the Sunday over with so that I can do my religious gig. I want to come in like this woman who is a hell-bound sinner at one time. The blood of Jesus washed my sins away and I let him know what it means to be forgiven. I'm gonna ask you to bow your head right now before we leave this service. Do you know that you've been forgiven? I'm not asking you, are you a good person? I, I won't tell you if you're not a good person, not in God's ways of looking at things. Neither am I. Romans 3 verse 10 says, there is none righteous, no, not one. I didn't ask you if you were part of a religion. You can't dry clean your sins. I'm asking you, are you forgiven? Has there ever been a moment where you knew that you were a sinner and you declared spiritual bankruptcy? And you saw by faith Jesus hanging on a cross for you. And you put your confidence in him, not in what you do, but what he's done for you. And you believe that he arose from the grave. And because he arose from the grave, every promise is codified. Has there ever been a moment where you've invited Jesus to come into your life and forgive you of your sin? Listen, you can do that. You can hear the words of Jesus saying you are forgiven today if you're willing to ask for this. The Bible says it's a gift. Whoever calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. So here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to lead you in a prayer. And if you want to pray this with me, you don't have to pray it out loud. But you do have to mean it in your heart. And here we go. Dear God, I know I'm a sinner and I can't save myself, but I believe you love me. I believe Jesus died on the cross for my sins. And because Jesus is alive, I want him to be my Savior and my King. Thank you for hearing my prayer. In Jesus' name, amen. Now I'd like to ask you just to be still for another 90 seconds, no one getting up or moving around because I wanna just tell you something. I have a gift for you if you just prayed with me. Now whether you're watching on TV, online, or if you're here in the house, the gift has a New Spring Bible. It's got a book I wrote that'll answer a lot of questions called My My New Walk with God. And there's also a journal. I love that. And there's some New Spring coupons for the coffee shop. No agenda. We just want to take your first steps with you. So if you're watching online or on television, just text the word PRAYED, P R A Y E D to 97000. Follow the steps. We'll mail this to you. If you're in the house, South Auditorium, North Auditorium, walking around the gazebo, you can leave with this under your arm today and take it home. All you need to do is text PRAYED to 97000 and go to any info center. You'll recognize them by this color. And just say, I prayed with Mark. You say, Mark, I don't have a smartphone. Then just go back and say, I prayed with Mark and you can walk out with this. Thank you for being here today. I know I'm in overtime, but thanks for staying. Next week, we start the new Christmas series. See you soon. Once again, thanks for listening. If you live in Wichita, the surrounding area, we'd love for you to engage with us in one of our weekend services. For directions, service times, and information about our incredible kids and student environments, visit us at newspring.org. One more time, newspring.org.